Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. Happy Monday. My name is Haley, and I'm your host if you're new here and this is your first time listening. Today, we're going to be talking about dental shadowing. I got some input from dentists that I know about some do's and don'ts, and I also asked you all for questions on Instagram, so I'm going to try to answer all of those throughout the episode. And then I'm also going to end just talking about the shadowing experiences that I had as a pre-dental student, how I acquired those opportunities, what I gained from them, all of that. And I'm just going to do a quick little intro, catching you guys up on my exam week and then also giving you guys some motivation. So exam week was pretty solid. I improved my grades a lot, in particular in my cell biology class. My grade went up like 10% or something this week just from doing well on the exam and then also doing well on the quiz that we had last week. So that was really great. I definitely had a lot more active learning with my studying, tried some new study techniques that I think really, really paid off. And I will expand on those in a YouTube video towards the end of the term, kind of titled How I Study in Dental School. But for now, I'm still going to be figuring out all those study techniques, trying them out for this term, trying to get as good as I can in a dental school study flow. And then eventually I'll share them with you once they're a little bit more concrete. And then also I had a final exam for biomaterials and that went okay. I passed. I did a little bit better than the midterm and my grade went up a little bit. Still not a great grade, but we're done with that class, which is cool. And then we started a new class kind of in its place, I guess. And that is about healthcare and insurance and everything in the U.S. So that's a little bit different kind of material, obviously, than biomaterials, which is like physics and chemistry of different dental materials. And then... On Friday, we had our infection and immunity exam, and that one we still don't have our grades back for yet, but I think it went decently well. Again, I don't think I totally crushed it, but I think I for sure passed and maybe did in like a decent range. So we'll see how all that goes. This week, we have to turn in our waxing practicals, and then we'll get into that during the motivation, but that has been a huge, huge struggle for me. Waxing is just not easy from home without much instruction. We just have like one sample video and there's not really any talking in it. So it's pretty hard to know what you're doing, but I'm hoping that the end products will look good, turn them in, be done with it for now at least. And then I also have a practical this week and an exam this week, as well as turning in those waxing practicals. So the exam is our midterm and our cariology class. So that's our first exam for that class. And then we also have a practical doing class three prep and restoration on tooth number nine. So I've been working a ton, a ton on that. And I also got my loops this past week. I got oroscoptic loops. I'm not 100% sure if I'm keeping the exact oculars that I have with like the magnification and all, and I also might change out the light. But currently I have 3.5 magnification prismatic oculars and then the Spark wireless headlight. But I'm thinking of switching to the wired one for more battery and it doesn't turn on so easily. And then I'm also thinking of switching down to the 3.0 Galilean, but I haven't really made up my mind. I'm going to try them out for the rest of this term, see how they go, and then there's a 45-day period to send them back. So at that point would be when I would send them back, either change the magnification or send them back because I am having some issues with them, but they're good enough to continue for now. But I definitely will need to send them back in some capacity whether it's just to be adjusted or if it's because I want to change them. But updates to come probably at the beginning of next semester about how the loops are going and if I'm keeping what I have. 
We also are preparing for our virtual white coat ceremony. So yesterday on Saturday, I did help our class, some of our classmates record part of our white coat video, just talking about what their white coat means to them. So I kind of put that together and I think people like the way the video turned out. So that made me really happy. And then I'm also filming my portion of me on camera this week when we get our white coats received and it's nice they're doing it in really small groups that way we can still like physically receive our white coat in some way and then they're going to record it and kind of blend them all together into a nice video but kind of excited for that it should be nice the video is coming out and like the virtual ceremony I guess at the end of this month on the 30th so a little bit of time still but I think that's everything for catching you guys up. I'm just trying to finish this episode before I have to run off to SimLab. It's Sunday night to practice for our practical this week. Um, I have about 50 minutes till I'm supposed to be at school. So we'll see if we get everything done and make dinner in time. Very last minute episode for me. But the motivation for the week is simply that if you start something and you do it once, do it through, and for some reason it stops working or you have to redo it for some reason don't let that be super discouraging in the sense that like wow I wasted x amount of time doing something and I have to start all over because usually your second third fourth whatever draft we want to call it it is is a lot better than the first time you do something because you're more comfortable, you learned, oh, I did this weird, or if I do this this way, it'll be more efficient, or it'll end up looking better, or whatever it may be. So in my case, this was waxing for four hours before I recorded this episode. I was trying to wax tooth number 20, and I was like, oh, it's really good. Then I was like, oh, wait, it's not so good, and I kept going back and forth, and then I ended up with it decent. I wasn't really pleased and like done with it, but then it fell off of the little like nub that's there. It didn't like shatter or anything, but I couldn't get it to stick back on to the little tooth nub that you build it up from without changing the shape and messing it up. So I ended up just having to totally scrap it, melt it away back into the little puddle of wax that I have. And obviously that was kind of sad because like four hours and no result because I really wanted to have both of my wax ups done today and now I'm not going to have anything I'm not going to have eight or 20 ready and yeah that was super discouraging at first but I realized hey I learned a lot doing that one and I've done a couple before already in the past weeks just practicing but this one I was like following tutorial trying really really hard and still I learned a lot and I know that the next time I try to do 20 probably like tomorrow because it's due soon I know that it's going to turn out even better than this one was going and I'm going to learn more from that experience and this can really apply, yes, if you're waxing as well and you're discouraged, but it can apply to a task for a group project, for school, for work, for public speaking especially. Anytime you're making a speech or recording something, it's always going to sound better the more times you practice. So think of like any time that you do something and it doesn't work out and you have to do it all over again. Just think of it. It was practice. It was a stepping stone. Even if none of that hard work that you put in initially really like physically shows in your final product just know that you were more prepared and it was all part of like the stepping stones to get to your end product to your end goal so I hope that provides a little bit of motivation if anything similar to that was happening to you all this week but now we're going to get into the episode about shadowing and I did also just want to say that next week's episode is going to be a super exciting one with Laura Vong Laura Smiles on YouTube and previously that was her ad on Instagram but now it's just Laura Vong so I'm really excited to share that with you all she was super super nice 
and I can't wait for you guys to hear that next week. But for now, we're going to talk about shadowing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so I wanted to start this episode off with just some quick shadowing basics because I did get some questions about pretty preliminary things about shadowing. So you do need 100 hours of shadowing a dentist to be generally covering all your bases for all the dental schools. So these don't need to be a general dentist, but you want a good chunk of your hours to be from a general dentist. What I like to say is that you don't want all 100 from the same person. I would say it's great to have 50 to 60 with one person that writes your letter of recommendations that they know you very well. And then the other 50 to 100 more shadowing hours you can do anywhere. So that could be more general dentists, specialists, whatever floats your boat, honestly. And once you hit those hours, once you've done 50 to 100 more, I would say you might as well be putting your time into other activities like school, work, extracurriculars, things to fill your time. That's like once you've seen the basics of shadowing a general dentist, it's just not all that exciting. But if you can get involved in dental offices in another way through working there, that is something definitely, definitely worth doing. You could be a rover at the office where you just kind of walk around and help with whatever. You could work at the front desk. You could work as an assistant. So those are great jobs that are worth applying for once you kind of hit 150, 200 hours, even like 100 hours. If you feel like you want to just stop shadowing, I really think that's fine, but it's really great if you can still show that you're interested in dentistry in another way by trying to start working at an office. So the next question we had was about how do you log your hours? So you want to keep an Excel sheet or a Google sheet. You need to make sure that you have the date that you started shadowing. And honestly, I would just mark each of the days that you go just for your own records. And then each day that you go, I would take a few bullet points of notes to say like what you saw that day, but make sure you're not violating HIPAA by like mentioning any specifics about patients or anything identifying about them and make sure you do that once you leave the office because you don't want to be on your phone while you're there but what you need to be able to put on the application about your shadowing is that you have the start date the end date the total number of hours that you shadowed the dentist's name phone number email and the address of their practice and then you're also going to have to write a short description of your experience there and if you still have more questions about experience descriptions or anything about the application, I cover all of that in episode six of this podcast. So check that out if you're more new to dentistry and don't know the information about the application. But now we're going to get into some do's and don'ts, pretty much all submitted from dentists that I know on Instagram. So they should be pretty helpful and things, honestly, that I 
wasn't 100% sure about back when I was shadowing. So I hope this gives you guys a little bit of a leg up. But the first do, and this is one that I wrote, is to be persistent and apply broadly for shadowing. It's not like a job where you need to like submit a resume, but by apply broadly, I just mean to call tons and tons of offices, leave your information with them, and that just gives you a lot higher chances of having someone get back to you. And although I said be persistent, the don't is don't bug them too much. Only call to follow up a second time, maybe a third time if you didn't get a hard no, but they like answered you and said, maybe we'll get back to you soon. You could call maybe a third time just to check in. But if they don't respond to you, you can really just assume that they're too busy to have you. And I know that's unfortunate, but like I said, if you apply to tons of places, you're going to find someone that's able to take you. The next do is to try to form a relationship with the dentist. They remember being in your shoes and they might be willing to like mentor you more than just while you're at the dentist's office shadowing them. They might be willing to grab coffee or to read over your application or something. So it's worth trying to form a relationship with them, see what their life is like outside of the dental office, and it could just be a really great opportunity for you to connect with someone. The next don't is a little bit long. So Don't burn any bridges by misbehaving. I have heard from dentists, from people that I know that work in dental offices, that it's so off-putting when a student just misbehaves when they're shadowing, whether that be like poor looks on their faces, just looking bored or disinterested or rude towards patients, towards staff, being on your phone. That is a huge one. Do not touch your phone while you're there. Uh, Make sure you're acting professional. And the biggest thing that you're going to realize from all these tips is learn to read the room. That is so, so important. And it's a skill that you're going to need in dentistry. So it's good to start developing it early on. And reading the room helps you out because then you will know when you should or should not be asking questions. It helps you know which patients are comfortable with you being in the room at all during their procedure and which would be comfortable with you standing right by the dentist also looking in their mouth versus which patients really aren't going to be comfortable with that. You need to be standing at a distance. And that's something you're just going to understand through maybe the first day or two that you go, just kind of observing at a distance, seeing the vibe, seeing which kind of patients are comfortable. Because I would have days where I'd walk into the room and the patient would be striking up a conversation with me right away, thinking it's so cool that I'm here. They're so happy that I'm trying to learn. Like So obviously that patient you can be up close and personal with because they're so excited to be helping you learn and being part of that process. But if you have a patient that you know is coming in as already super, super scared or stressed or embarrassed or something, you really just want to stay out of the way. Another thing that dentists were giving me mixed opinions about, which totally makes sense, is because not all dentists like questions, and some dentists like you to ask a lot of questions. So the way to figure this out, you have a couple options. First option would be, again, just read the room, show up for your first day. If you feel like asking a question, of course, go for it. But generally, maybe be a little more quiet. Of course, be friendly, introduce yourself to the patients and everything. But just kind of observe, pick up on the environment of the office, see how things are going, and try to understand when and when it wouldn't be appropriate for you to ask questions. That's pretty much how I did it. But your second option is much more direct and will probably get you a better result. I was just very timid back as a pre-dental student and I didn't want to ask. But you can ask the dentist beforehand if they're comfortable with you asking questions during the procedure or if they'd prefer for you to ask them once the patient has left. If you don't feel comfortable asking the dentist, sometimes you feel more comfortable talking to the assistant. And if 
they've been around a while, I'm sure they've seen plenty of shadowers come through, so you could ask them. You could even try asking at the front desk, but those are your options to kind of figure that out. The next don't is don't get in their way. It's a very small space in a dental office, generally speaking, so they need their room to work and they need to be able to move and grab their instruments and do everything comfortably as they like to do to be as efficient and doing proper procedures as possible, so don't be in the way. The best thing that you could be doing there is to remember that you're going to need to position yourself either directly behind the dentist to be able to see or at the side of them, depending on which tooth they're working on. But what I think is best to do is to kind of stand off to the side of the chair at the beginning, let the dentist start getting everything together, about to start the procedure, see where like they're positioning themselves. And then once they're about to start, then move, adjust yourself so that you can see. But then you know kind of where their workspace is, where their arms are going to be moving, where they're going to be rotating themselves. That way you can be out of that little like bubble that they need, but then you can still get in there and try to see what's going on. The next do is only shadow for a half day. You're going to be so exhausted just from standing all day and watching. Again, you're probably not going to be totally talking all the time because they're working. Um, so it's just a super tiring, at least for me. I always felt so drained after shadowing that you're really only going to want to be there for a half day. And it's draining on you, yes, but it's also very draining on the dentist if you're there trying to watch, follow them around, ask questions for eight hours straight. So half days are really the way to go. You can communicate this ahead of time when you're agreeing on the date that you're going to show up. Also agree on the time that you're coming. And you can ask if they would prefer to have you before or after lunch. That's kind of how I phrased it. So I would stay like if they opened up at 7.30, first patient was at 8, I'd get there at 7.30 and then leave when they finished for lunch or vice versa. I always thought the morning was better actually because... They sometimes run late, so like if the patient was supposed to finish at 12 and st then they would go for lunch, they might not finish at 12.30 or 1, and then lunch kind of gets all thrown off, and then if you're trying to come for the afternoon shift, sometimes it's tricky to like know what time to show up because their schedule might be a little backed up or even moving ahead, and I just felt a little less welcome when I would show up for an afternoon shadowing session because the day's already going they're in the flow they're going and then you just like show up and I feel like it seems like I'm disrupting the flow of things versus if I got there in the morning it's like everyone's kind of waking up getting their stuff together you kind of feel part of their little team at the office versus when you show up in the afternoon I think you just feel a little more out of place at least that's my experience so if it's your first time going somewhere I recommend morning till lunch and that's pretty much what I did all the time the next don't is don't scare the patient. Um, if you have any thought about a question and you think maybe I shouldn't ask this, definitely don't ask it at that time. If you think anything might frighten or worry or confuse the patient, it's much better just to wait and ask until after they've left in between patients later in the day, something along those lines. You can usually tell if a patient is pretty cool and open to hear all the dental talk or if knowing what's going on in their mouth is really going to freak them out. So again, this goes back to please, please, please read the room. The next don't is... This is something that one dentist actually told me, so take it with a grain of salt, but I think it makes a lot of sense that they recommend it's much better to shadow a private practice rather than at a corporate office, just because those dentists at the private practices 
are likely to have more time to attend to you and answer your questions because they're kind of running the show. They have more time to engage with you, and they also likely have been there longer, know their patients more, can talk to you a lot more about the business aspect of dentistry and running a practice aside from just operating on patients all day. But there could be something beneficial just seeing what a, what a corporate office is like if you wanted to check it out for like a day or something, but your main shadowing I would definitely try to do at a private practice. The next do is to look for a dentist that aligns with your goals, interests, or inspires you. There are 100% a dentist out there that looks like you, that has a similar background as you, or interests, and you just have to find them. Dentistry is such a growing field. There are way more women in dentistry now. Much more diversity in dentistry is upcoming. Definitely has lots of room for improvement. Do not get me wrong, but it's improving. And I know that if you feel like maybe you can't be a dentist for a certain reason or you don't feel accepted or welcomed, there is someone out there that's going to make you feel accepted and welcomed and encouraged. So seek that out. And again, that's a much better opportunity to form that mentorship if you feel comfortable with the person they might really see themselves in you, and that could be a really great start of a relationship. So the next don't, I kind of mentioned this before, but I need to say it again, do not use your phone. I know that personally, um, I always brought a purse into the office with like my keys and wallet, whatever, and I would leave my phone in there, and usually they have you leave your bag in the break room or they have like a closet or something that they have you put it in. So if you ever did have an emergency or something come up where you really needed to get on your phone, grab it, go to the break room, grab it, go outside or something. Do not be walking around the office, checking your phone, texting, checking social media, even if it is downtime or between patients, just like do not be on your phone. That is such a bad look. It's so unprofessional, so disrespectful. Like list goes on and on. Just please, please, please do not touch your phone while you're shadowing. If you want to take notes or something, bring a notepad, do it old school. The next do is do take advantage of the downtime. Don't go grab your phone. (laughs) You don't need to bombard the dentist with tons and tons of questions in between every patient. So in between patients, or if there was downtime, I liked to kind of hang out with the assistant while they were cleaning up the cubicle and ask them questions and just get to know them, ask more about the office, more about the dentist. Or you can go and check in on the hygiene checks. You can watch some hygiene appointments. That's how I learned about perio charting. So there's really just like always something to do. You could even go up to the front desk and ask to just kind of watch that employee for a little bit. So there's always, always something to do. Make the most of the time that you are there if you're only going to be there for a half day you want to see as much as you can learn as much as you can and it's worth knowing about all aspects of the dental office not just what the dentist is doing at all times if that makes sense then i have a couple do's that are specific for covid so the first do is to ask about the dress code especially now before covid i always showed up in business casual attire so some nice slacks a nice top and like a plain cardigan or sweater or something but now all of my pre-dental friends that I know are wearing scrubs for their shadowing and I assume that's because of COVID and some offices would have people do that back in my day anyways but um, definitely be expecting some more added safety precautions probably wearing some eye protection maybe even a face shield or something so just ask about the dress code when you're setting up the shadowing session that way you can be prepared and they don't have to like send you away or anything for that day. The next do for COVID is to get involved in virtual shadowing. So there's an Instagram page that I've been connecting with called Dental Shadowers. It's literally just at 
Dental Shadowers, and they put on virtual shadowing events through YouTube Live with dentists, and the dental schools aren't 100% sure if they're going to accept these as official hours towards your 100 or whatever the requirement is, but you can still put them on your application, and they're still showing that you're staying very active and involved in dentistry as much as you can in these weird times. But I do also just want to mention that as far as I know, all dentists or most dentists are accepting shadowers right now, even though we're going through the pandemic. So I would say try both, use all your options. You never want to just pass up an opportunity. And now that there's virtual shadowing, get your hands on it, make the most of it. It's so easy and you could learn a lot. Okay, that's all my do's and don'ts. And I'm just going to quickly talk about my own shadowing experience. So Everything that I'm talking about here, I did put on my application. However, for those 100 hours, the only things that count is college and beyond if you're in gap years and stuff. But anything you do in high school doesn't count towards that 100 hours. But you can still put it on your application if you want. I don't think you're technically supposed to, but I did because I applied during undergrad. I didn't have gap years like I High school wasn't that long ago, and I just wanted to show that I was, like, interested in dentistry early on, you know? But just keep in mind that these don't technically count. So first thing I did was every summer in high school, I shadowed my general dentist literally for only, I think, 10 hours each summer. I went, like, a couple days for one week, and that was it each summer. But that was something, and that was my general dentist back in the place that we lived at that time. And then I started college, and it was time to get my wisdom teeth extracted. So I went to my consultation during my freshman year of college, and we were talking, and the dentist asked what I was doing at MSU, and I said it was pre-dental. And then basically, he had the office manager come in and mention to me that they're looking for a new assistant for the summer because their current assistant was headed off to dental school at Michigan and asked if I'd be interested, and I was like, of course I'm interested. So it was a little bit of a roundabout, difficult process of actually getting them to formally offer me the job and to set up start date and everything and pay and everything. I had to follow up with them a lot of times. It was really just like a soft like idea invite. It was never like a firm thing. So I did have to do a lot of work to get them to make it a firm offer, I guess. But that happened. And then I did like a, it wasn't really an interview, but it was just like a working day where I came in and saw if I could do everything because they're like, obviously the whole job here is like blood, blood, blood. Like you're going to be cleaning blood buckets all day. So we got to make sure that you're okay with it. So they had me come in for one day before I officially started just to make sure that I was cool with the like gore, I guess, of oral surgery. It really honestly isn't that bloody, like, because it's just teeth. It's not like open heart surgery where you're seeing like organs. It's just like teeth. But anyways, that was that. That's how I got that job. And I worked the summer after my freshman year. I worked three days a week and I had about 200 hours total, I think, at the end. And I counted 125 hours as employment as a dental assistant because that's what they called me. But in my description, I made it very clear that I wasn't ever assisting as in like handing instruments during procedures. I was more so sanitizing the operating rooms and I was cleaning around the office, running little tasks for them, doing really whatever they needed. I was much more of like a rover rather than an assistant, but they called me an assistant. So that's the title I put on there. Then the other 75 hours I put as shadowing because a lot of the times I was there, that's what I was doing. I was observing the procedures. I wasn't really doing any work. I was just watching. That's kind of the insight that I've received from dental admissions people is if you're assisting, 
and you're working all day as an assistant, handing instruments, doing tasks around the office, like that needs to count as employment, not as shadowing. But if you spend a lot of the day simply watching and they're happening to just pay you for that, you can put a certain percentage of those hours as shadowing is what I've gathered. And it was a really cool experience working at the oral surgeon. So it was, they had three practices. I only worked at one location, but there were three different oral surgeons. They would go to the hospital some days, and then some days they would be in each of the respective offices. So I worked with three different dentists, and it was really, really great. I feel like I learned a lot, particularly about professionalism and practice structure especially with there being three dentists. It was just interesting to see how they engaged, how roles and responsibilities were divvied out and all the different assistants there. It was just like a very efficient practice setting. And I thought that was really cool to see because I'd only been shadowing that general dentist that only had him. And then there was like two operatories and like one hygiene room or something. So it was pretty small. And then this was like a much larger scale experience going on. So it was really interesting. And I got to see obviously tons of wisdom tooth extractions. I saw some really cool trauma cases come in where someone like pretty much knocked out all their front teeth after like falling, playing tennis. Like I saw a lot of really unique procedures that I might never see again, honestly. And I think at the time I did kind of take it for granted because I didn't really know what all was going on. And I didn't really know much about dentistry at all. But now if I could go shadow an oral surgeon, I think I'd love it even more than I did at the time. But I really did love that job. And the next way that I got shadowing hours was at a general dentist. Like I told you all, I recommend you get 50 to 60 at a general dentist simply because that's what I did and it worked out. (laughs) But so we moved a couple towns over from where I lived in high school. So I wanted a general dentist in that new town just so it was easier to get to. I personally chose to do all my shadowing during breaks from school. That way I could focus on school and my extracurriculars during the semesters. So summer after my sophomore year, as you all know, I took my DAT at the end of July. So I had August all devoted to getting my shadowing hours. And at that point, I knew I needed to get 50 to 60. So I got as many as I could in August, which ended up being 35. So then I needed to go back. And this was, again, my junior year, knowing that I'd be applying that following summer in June. So I really wanted to get them all done before summer. So over winter break of my junior year is when I finished my shadowing hours and got it up to like 56 or something along those lines. And that is the dentist that they had write my letter of recommendation. The process of getting that dentist to allow me to shadow them was pretty much that I called tons and tons of offices, probably about 10, which is a lot within like a short drive of my house. So I heard back from three two couldn't have me and one could and funny enough the one that could take me was the one that I wanted to shadow the most and that's because she was a she she was a female dentist and I'd never experienced a women dentist before so that was really I think impactful for me because I knew that females could be dentists and I'd seen the statistics now that classes are almost 50% men and 50% women but I'd never interacted with a female dentist because it didn't always used to be that way. The field wasn't so evenly split. So I was really excited to ask a woman about her experience being a mother, running a practice, doing the whole dentistry thing, and just what it was like if there was any difference between that and the male dentists that I've shadowed in the past because all the oral surgeons were men and then my first family dentist that I shadowed was also a man. But another reason I really was excited to shadow her specifically was because she went to MSU for undergrad, just like me, where I was currently a student there at the time. And she also went to University of Michigan for dental school, which was my top choice school. And I felt like getting a letter of recommendation from someone that went 
to my top choice school would mean a lot to that specific school. And I don't know if it did or didn't, but I hope it did. And here I am. So it might have. I don't really know. You don't get to know much about their critiquing of your application. But that was something in my mind that I thought could help my application. And then another reason that I was really excited to see it was because it was a different practice setting than the one that I shouted before the general dentistry office that was small, but it was really family cosmetic dentistry and He had just started that practice himself, but her practice was actually her father's practice and now hers. So it's been in their family for such a long time, and they had such a deep connection with the patients. It was so cool to see just how impactful a dentist can be on their community and how you can really brighten someone's day. Like Her patients absolutely loved her, and I just like very inspired by her practice setting, by the way she interacts with patients, the way she does things. I just thought it was so similar to the way I think I would like to run a practice one day. So it was really great to have that kind of mentorship that we've talked about before. But that was that experience. Like I said, I had around 60-ish hours with her. So that meant that I had 135 hours of straight shadowing when I applied and an additional 125 hours of employment in the dental office. So some schools are going to count that lump sum together. Some are only going to look at the 135 of strictly shadowing. One last shadowing thing I want to mention is that I actually shadowed after I got into dental school once because I was going to stay with my sister in Chicago over winter break of my senior year. So after the December acceptance day, I was already into my school, already paid my deposit and everything, but I still chose to go shadow her dentist because I wanted to see what big city dentistry was like, you know? I wanted to see what a Chicago dentist, what their life was like, how they run their practice because she was telling me it's just like so much more glamorous and like tech savvy than what we have back home, which makes sense because it's, you know, big city. They got to compete and be successful. But that was such a cool experience. I was there for a half day. I came from the morning until a little bit after lunch. I think I left around like one or two or something, but it was incredible. So I highly encourage you all, even if it's only for a day, if you're somewhere, if you're visiting family in some other town or something, try to shadow someone. And even if you're in dental school or admitted or whatever, keep shadowing if you find a cool opportunity. It's so great to make connections with people. And especially if you want to specialize, it's good to keep your foot in the door, keep seeing what's going on because in dental school, you're only learning about general dentistry for the most part. So if you really want to stay up to date and keep showing your interest in a specialty, shadowing is a great way to do that. And then obviously working in the specialty clinics is great too at the dental schools, but that's a whole other topic. And so overall, I would say I was pretty happy with my shadowing experience. Had I known more that I do now, I would have tried to shadow like a day or two at most types of specialties. And a good way to do that is to ask the general dentist that you start off with, hey, who do you refer out to for endo or who do you refer out to for ortho? Would they be able to let me shadow them? And then more than likely, the dentist is going to say, yeah, sure, I'll give them a call. And it's hard for the specialist to say no to the dentist because they need their referrals to have patients versus if you call up a specialist, they're pretty likely to say no. So that's a great way to get your foot in the door with specialty shadowing. But again, I didn't really do that. I wish that I saw more. Not that I necessarily want to specialize, but just would have been a really cool experience. Then I also wish that I would have sought out different types of general dentistry practices in different settings where there might be higher need for dentistry rather than where I was in was just like a suburb, pretty well-off community. So I wasn't really seeing 
any different types of patients than what I'm kind of already around all the time, if that makes sense. I just wish I would have seen more diverse populations through my shadowing and made that more of a point. And I think that's something that could really, really improve your shadowing experience. If you went to like a clinic in your area, like a free clinic or something, if they have any in your town, that could be really great to check out. But I pretty much think overall my shadowing was pretty solid experience and that really shadowing is just going to be what you make out of it. The more effort that you put in and the more of a point you make to like, this is my career. I'm already starting to like build skills and professionalism and communication skills and building my reputation in the dental community. That day that you start walking into shadow, the better it's going to be, the more you're going to get out of it, the more connections you're going to make. And overall, I think just a better experience you're going to have as a pre-dental student. So that's really everything that I have for this episode. I hope that it was helpful. And if you do have any more questions ever about shadowing, feel free to reach out to me on our Instagram, which is at Dental Download Podcast. And we'll be back here next Monday talking with Laura Vong all about her YouTube, about her experience at UW and her experience during her gap year. It's a really cool episode. So I'm really excited for you all to listen and we will talk to you next Monday.